How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Um, if you didn't already know from last podcast, I just started my own Instagram page at English Encore Podcast. Go ahead and go give that a follow. We're going to be having a special, two special guests this Saturday. I'm going to be going live for the first time at 1130. I'm going to be going live with LMC's head athletic trainer, um, Justin Cooper. One of my friends I graduated with at SUNY Cortland. He's going to talk about his business and we're going to talk some hoops. And then I'm be joined by Seton Hall junior guard to call Molson um, from 12 to 1230. So be sure to tune in to that once again at English Encore Podcast. All right, so let's get into today's topics. I'm going to be going over the best and worst picks in Bills and Sabres history. Then I'm going to be going into who is the most underappreciated player for the Bills and Sabres and then the most overrated player for Bills and Sabres. So starting off with the best and worst picks, um, we'll start with the Bills first. Um, starting off, Andre Reed. He was a fourth-round pick by the Bills in 1985. Best receiver in franchise history. Um, pretty much leads the Bills in every single um, receiving category for team records. Helped um, kind of change the culture in Buffalo um, way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Helped be a part of that uh, team that went to four straight Super Bowls. Getting Andre Reid in the fourth round was obviously a huge um, get, and it was really because of Marv Levy um, getting to know him. Um, Kyle Williams was picked in round five in 2006, went on to be one of the best defensive tackles the franchise has ever had, great leader both on and off the field. Um, he actually makes one heck of a running back too, one carry, one touchdown, so um Good to, for him to get that touchdown when they broke the drought on 2017 against Miami. And then the Bengals beat the Ravens to get us into the playoffs. Always a class act. Um, I think between either him or Fred Jackson or a few other guys, um, his name will be up on the Wall of Fame someday. And it's really good to see that he's still hanging around the Bills a lot. Um, you know, Ed Oliver talked about when he got drafted, Kyle was one of the first guys to reach out to him. So. Really great to have him. And then round seven, Stevie Johnson, um, one of the bigger steals in Bills history. Obviously, he didn't have as big of a receiving impact as a guy like Andre Reid, but he also had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Even Andre Reid actually didn't do that for the Bills. 3,832 yards, 28 touchdowns. Um, Like I said, doesn't compare to Reid, who had 13,000 yards, 87 touchdowns, and was a seven-time Pro Bowler. But for Andre Reid, too, you know, fourth-round pick, played 16 years in the NFL. Um, And then, you know, Kyle Williams, 13 years, had 48 and a half sacks and 387 tackles. And the reason I picked these three guys is just because of the value of the picks, you know. You can easily put some of the other first through three-round guys on here that, you know, were great value for the Bills. But I always like going deeper and finding the guys you get in the late rounds that, you really have to do the scouting report on or you kind of got to get lucky. And, you know, the Bills were lucky enough to have these three great players selected and, you know, turn out to be really good for them. Going to the Bills for their worst picks, um, these weren't too hard. You know, there's definitely some names outside these three. I'm going to name that you could put on there just from a performance perspective. Um, so I'll just give you the three names and I'll get into that a little more. But Aaron Mabin. He has to be one of the worst draft picks in Bills history. He was selected 
11th overall by the Bills. Um, they thought he was going to be kind of a one-man wrecking crew, get a lot of sacks, be a huge impact for them. He only ended up playing four seasons in the NFL, two with Buffalo and two with the Jets. And he only managed 37 career tackles and had six sacks in his career. And all six of those sacks came in 2011 with the Jets. So he didn't have a single sack with Buffalo. And he also held out during his Bills tenure as well. So just not a good look. Mike Williams, one of the bigger busts um, by the Bills. Offensive tackle that just struggled with injuries throughout his whole career and never really um, just made it in the NFL. He played for a few different teams, but one of the worst picks by the Bills. And then the last one was kind of tough just because you could go through um, a lot of guys that were picked high. Like even a guy like CJ Spiller. I know CJ Spiller had a few good years for the Bills, but for where he was picked ninth overall, I think he was kind of a disappointment. However, um, I went with the JP Lossman route. They drafted him the year they drafted Lee Evans and kind of thought he was going to be the guy going forward, be their franchise quarterback. And he was just terrible. He had a 10 and 23 record as a starter, only 6,211 passing yards, 33 touchdowns and 34 interceptions. Um, I know some people put EJ Manuel on here and I wouldn't completely discount that, but um, I've always been one of the people that, honestly, I didn't think Manuel, um, I wouldn't say got a fair shot, but the situation he was in was just never great because that draft class for quarterbacks was just terrible between him, Ryan Nassib, Geno Smith, just not a great class at all. And they're brought in to be these starters right away. And, you know, I think the Bills would have been better served if they would have, like, let EJ sit for a year, learn. But he kind of just got rushed into it, dealt with some injuries. Then the second year, you know, I think he just wasn't with it mentally. And then he just ultimately got beat out by um, Matt Castle and Tyrod Taylor. So he was just backing him up for the year. And then he kind of moved around, was on Oakland for a little bit. And then he was on Kansas City, but then decided to retire. Like I said, I think he should have been one where he needed a year to sit and learn um, compared to some of these other guys who are coming in or able to start right away. And the team that we had really wasn't ready to win right now. I mean, our number one receiver then was Robert Woods and Stevie Johnson, which both great receivers. Love them both. And I just talked about how Stevie Johnson is one of the best picks we've ever had, but they weren't a true, true number one receiver. They tried to help him with Watkins, but then he ended up not being as great for Buffalo either. Um, he could also be made a case for an argument on this list too, but you know, Watkins just won a Super Bowl for the Chiefs and was, despite what many people think, he was good when he was healthy during his Bills tenure. Um, moving on to the Sabres. So for their best picks, um, this was also kind of tough to do because going back to like the early, early days, we're talking, you know, 1980s even earlier than that um there weren't as many teams so a guy you know Danny Gare got picked in the second round in 1974 draft but um you know it might have only been like the 22nd overall pick compared to today's game in the NHL where you know you could get picked 22nd and that's still in the first round because there's 31 um, teams so I didn't have Gare on the list just because of how that was working. Obviously, getting Danny Gare in the second is obviously a steal, but I wanted to 
dig deeper a little farther. So I started off with Alexander McGilney, fifth round, 89th overall. Um, you know, he wasn't on the Sabres for a super long time, but for the time he was here, he was one of the most dominant players in the NHL. Um, he's another guy that I think many people have made a case for about getting his name up in the Raptors, and he's definitely one of the greatest Sabres of all time. Um, Ryan Miller, fifth round, 138th overall, the second best goaltender ever in Sabres history, only behind Hashik, who's arguably the best goaltender ever in the NHL. And Ryan Miller, to me, is going to be the go down as the best United States goaltender to play. You know, there's going to be potentially guys in the future that overtake him for that. But um, for right now, I think he's done wonders for USA hockey. You know, his run in the Olympics was unreal. It's unfortunate they weren't able to win that. But for what he did for the Sabres um, and what he's continuing to do in the NHL is very impressive. And then I couldn't come to a decision for the third one, so I went with two guys who were both picked in the sixth round. I went with Brian Campbell and Alesh League. Getting those guys in the sixth round is just incredible value. Brian Campbell's one of the best defensemen I've ever gotten to see play for the Sabres. Um, really great two-way defenseman. Could give you some scoring. Um, great on the back end. Really physical. Or not the most physical guy, but he can hit when needed. You know, set the tone in that Flyer series when he just delivered the greatest hit I've ever seen on R.J. Umberger. And then Alesh Kodalik, I think, is a guy that's always been underappreciated in Sabres history. But, you know, he was always famous for just walking into the shootout and, you know, just hitting slap shots and you couldn't even know where it was. And I think he was an underrated part of those 06 07 um, teams where. He was dominant on the power play. He's almost like Olipson is now where he's just sitting there waiting for one-timers and just absolutely ripping him. The goalie has no clue um, where it is before it's in the back of the net. So those were two guys that I thought were great value. And then the worst pick, unfortunately for the Sabres, you could go through a lot of guys. Um, first, I went with Mikel Gregorenko, 12th overall. Um, he has never panned out for the Sabres. He was just terrible when he did get to play. He played in 68 career games with the Sabres, 6 goals, 8 assists. He then went on to play a few years um, in Colorado where he played 70 games both years. And his career high was like 27 points. Not what you're looking for out of a 12th overall pick. And he was supposed to be like the next guy to really elevate the Sabres. Um, then you have... Artem Kulikov, which I don't even know if I said that right, but he was picked by the Sabres 15th overall. He actually never played a single game in the NHL in his whole career from 1999 through 2016. So getting picked 15th overall in the first round and then never playing, not only just for the Sabres, but the NHL in general, um, isn't a good look for the Sabres. And then moving on to two more guys, um, Merrick. Zagarpan, these names are just tough, 2005, and then Dennis Pearson, 2006, back-to-back -back years, both first-round picks for the Sabres that both never played a single NHL game, um, both played overseas and in the AHL, but never made it up to the NHL, so just a rough span for the Sabres, you know, in the early 2000s when, you know, or mid to early 2000s when they're picking these guys and they never ended up even playing for their team or in the NHL at all. Um, you know, you could 
make the case about a lot of other guys who were picked in the first and second round. You know, the Zach Cassie and Zemgus Gergensons. But both of those guys are in the NHL and they kind of play their role they need now. But for the first round pick, um, you know, kind of stinks to have it that way. But those are the players I thought were the best and worst for the Sabres. Um, now going into the most underappreciated players for Bills and Sabres history. Um, for the Bills, it was kind of tough, but I went with Aaron Schobel. I don't think his name gets thrown around nearly as much as it should. Um, he's second only to Bruce Smith in the Bills history books with 78 sacks and 483 tackles. Um, he was a very dominant player in the NFL for the Bills during the 2000s and you know, because the Bills stunk during the 2000s and not a lot of people really probably knew who he was, it kind of took away from how good he was. And I don't think the fan base really, um, you know, valued him as much as they should have just because they had other star guys on the defense, whether it was Nate Clemens, Dante Whitner, we had London Fletcher, Takeo Spikes. Um, so it's just tough for Aaron Schobel, but I think he's the one of the most underappreciated Bills of all time. And a couple of honorable mentions. I thought Lee Evans and Willis McGahee were both undervalued by Bills fans. Um, when you think about receivers for the Bills, I feel like Andre Reed, um, Eric Moulds, James Lofton, um, Stevie Johnson are the first like four or five names you think of. But I think Lee Evans deserves to be up there. He was one of the most um, underappreciated Bills wide receivers that produced at a very high level for a long time for the Bills. And Willis McGahee, I think he's underappreciated just because he wasn't here for very long. But for the three years he was here, he had 1,000 yards twice. He missed 1,000 yards by like 75. Um, his third season, he missed four games. And he did his job. And I know a lot of people don't like him because of the Pittsburgh Steelers fumble when we had Drew Bledsoe and missed the playoffs. But um, I really liked his game, one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and then for most overrated for the Bills, um, it wasn't too hard for me. I think Marcel Darius is the most overrated player for the Bills. I know a lot of Bills fans loved him. And I know, you know, now that he's gone, a lot of Bills fans don't like him and are kind of realize how bad he is now. But um, even when we paid him, I thought he was overrated. I know he was coming off of a 10-sack season. But I just never thought he was overwhelmingly good that he was had like Aaron Donald ability to just take over a game for what we were paying him. And then, of course, after a 10-sack season, we paid him six years, $95 million, and $60 million guaranteed. And then from 2015, when that happened, or 2014-15, and then the 15-16 season when he got signed till now, he's only had nine sacks since then. So, you know, he just hasn't done anything. I just see he's very overrated. Um, honorable mentions for this category, C.J. Spiller, who I kind of talked about before, you know, super high draft pick, and he had a couple good years at Buffalo, and I think people like him, and I think he's a generally nice guy, but I just thought he was overrated. I thought we went way too high, especially when we got a guy like Fred Jackson, who went undrafted and made his way to the NFL and was D D3 player, and then I thought Jairus Bird, honestly, everyone always loved Jairus Bird. I always thought he was a bit overrated. He had that huge rookie year. We had, I believe, seven interceptions that led the NFL um, and made a few Pro Bowls, but I just didn't think he was as good as everyone thought he was. And then once he went to New Orleans, it kind of showed he went to a better team and really didn't produce. 
Um, so I thought he was pretty overrated. Um, going to the Sabres, um, most underappreciated. Um, this wasn't hard for me at all. Um, I think Thomas Vanek is by far the most underappreciated player in Sabres history, and I really don't think it's that close. You know, Vanek's a guy that throughout his Sabres tenure was just overshadowed by other good players um, that were only here for short stints, and Vanek kind of just got pushed behind them in the shadow. You know, he was a huge part of those 05, 06, 07 teams that, you know, made deep playoff runs. He came up with guys like um, Pominville, and he started with the Finneganov and those guys, Drew Stafford. And because we had Chris Jury, because we had Danny Briere, you know, because we did have Pominville, Finneganov, Dumont, um, Brian Campbell, Kalinin, Ryan Miller, all these other great players, Vanek got overshadowed. And then once those guys left, you know, he should have been named captain of the Sabres, and him and Lindy always had beef. And he was an assistant captain, and he never got the captaincy that he deserved. But he stuck it out for a long time with the Sabres and one of, is one of the best producing forwards we've ever had. Um, you know, the round-the-world shootout goals, um, one of the best players I've ever seen as far as being in front of the net and being able to tip the puck in and having net presence. And I think Sam Reinhardt now does a good job of that, but I've never seen a player quite like Thomas Vanek do it. Fifth overall pick, he had 254 goals, 243 assists for 497 points. and was a plus 29 in the Sabres tenure. Um, and I just think that we don't appreciate him nearly as much because of guys like Drury and Breyer. And they deserve credit too, like Breyer and Drury are great players. But I don't think Vanek gets nearly the credit he deserves. And by the time that I think people started to appreciate him a little bit, is when we traded him and got rid of him because his value was high. And then he kind of just bounced around to different playoff teams because he was an asset. As he continued to get older, he could still score goals and have a good net presence. So um, that was pretty easy for me. A couple other guys, um, honorable mentions, would be Miroslav Shatan and Pierre Terzron. Um, you know, I think Pierre Terzron doesn't get mentioned nearly enough as far as Sabres all-time greats. Um, I think his name deserves to be up there. And because Shatan was only here for a brief period of time, I don't think people realize how big of an impact he had either. Um, and then for most over under overrated, excuse me, um, player, I actually went with a guy I actually named that played with Vanek. It was Drew Stafford. Um, I've never been a Stafford fan. Um, I always thought he was a bit overrated, especially because he was picked um, 13th overall the year after we selected Vanek. 145 goals, 177 assists for 322 points, but he was negative 20 for plus minus. Um, it wasn't like Stafford was a bad player by any means, and he definitely did his role. And I'll always respect Stafford for being the one to stick up and fight Chris Neal when Drury got hit in the Ottawa brawl. But um, I just think he was a tad overrated and didn't produce. And I think part of that was because we were – after Briere and Jury left, we started putting guys like Stafford, um, Derek Roy up on the first and second lines when that really wasn't a role they should have been playing. And I just thought he was a bit overrated. Um, and you could, it's tough when you talk about overrated because it could be where they're drafted and how they produce, or it could be a guy that you signed because you thought they were going to be good. Like you could throw Vili Leno and a Poso in here. 
for guys that we signed to that we thought were gonna be super good and paid them a ton of money and then just completely became busts. But I feel like overrated and busts is a little bit of a um, iffy situation as far as how people view it. So I just went with Stafford and then and Tyler Ennis is another guy that I, you know, he had a few good years but had so many health issues and they were asking him to play first and second line minutes for a guy that I don't think deserved to be it. Um, I know he's kind of had a few bounce back years now, but um, for his Sabres tenure, I thought he was also a bit overrated as well. But yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. A little bit of a shorter one compared to um, a few of the other weeks. Like I said before, please follow me at English Encore Podcast on my Instagram this Saturday, 1130. Tune in. And I'll have Justin Cooper from LMC Athletics and then Takal Molson from Seton Hall. Um, if you want, tune into LMC Athletics at 11 o'clock. They'll be doing ball handling drills for anyone that has kids or they want to watch um, some ball handling stuff while everyone's kind of stuck at home during this quarantine. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in. For Saturday, after the Instagram Live session, I'll be doing a podcast that night. I'm going to be having some surprise topics for you guys. I'm not going to tell you what they are now. You'll have to tune in and find out. And I hope you guys tune in on Saturday for Instagram Live. Thanks, everyone.